it helps us predict where do we have skills that have similarity that we can extend or grow and how do we push people towards content that grows those skills so it's like a constant inventory of skills and capabilities but with a forward view and using machine learning to help nudge and push us towards the areas where we need to build further on today's show, we're talking to Mark Howes, the VP and Head of Global Talent and Learning at AstraZeneca. Obviously, AstraZeneca have been in the news a fair bit this year with a real focus on solving the problem of a vaccine. But what about learning and development of their own staff? How has that continued whilst the organisation has been under the pressures that it has been? This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Keish. How are you? Hello, I'm very well, Dave. I'm very well, thank you. You all right? I am, I am. I'm looking forward to watching uh, a bunch of strangers get locked in a house um, together tonight. Uh, About 15, after 15 months of being told that you've got to stay home, here are some people voluntarily going to spend the summer staying home. Uh, You, You could argue they are in isolation together, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, if anyone comes into the villa midway through the series and then someone gets gets coronavirus, it's going to be like, well, it wasn't any of us, was it? Oh, that is very true. That is very true. Love Island starts tonight, does it? Fantastic. Mate, I just think I just think the irony of watching a TV program about effectively about people in lockdown after a year in lockdown yeah. is really quite funny. Oh no! Oh no! It's uh, yeah. Should should be should be interesting. Should be interesting. Well, although it will give us something to watch after the eight o'clock kickoff, won't it? I think. I don't know well, no, it stays at nine o'clock. So Is it? Mm. yeah, and unfortunately, if it's if it's football or Love Island, it's it's football. Yeah, correct. I would stay the same. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that 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 was amusing. Uh, thinking of all things coronavirus, today's guest is Mark Howells from AstraZeneca. Uh, so we're going to be talking all about online learning. We'll hand over to that interview, and then myself and Akish will come back with some commentary uh, on it afterwards. So today I'm joined by Mark Howells from AstraZeneca. Mark, thank you for your time. Pleasure. Really pleased to be here. Before we jump into anything else, do you just want to tell us what you do for AstraZeneca? So I look after all talent, learning and development for the organization globally. So we have uh, nearly 80,000 employees in approximately 100 countries. So we look after how we develop our people, how we grow future leaders, how we create learning environments, learning content, and how we accelerate our early talent in the organization. So that's broadly what I do. Now, look, obviously, we're not here to talk about the vaccine or, or anything along those lines, but it's been a year where the spotlight has been on AstraZeneca. I, I suppose just a, a very quick aside before we dive into the meat of the, of the interview. Has that been a good thing for recruiting people or for, for kind of keeping people in the organization? You know, everyone talks about culture and that sense of purpose where you're at the forefront of, of producing something to fight back against, against COVID. That must be brilliant for creating that sense of purpose throughout the whole organization absolutely um i think the the vaccine's been an incredible journey for astrazeneca i think as a company we had a very clear purpose prior to the vaccine you know our business is focused on helping find unmet medical needs for 
cancer disease states, respiratory, cardiovascular metabolism, which includes kidney and renal disease. So adding the vaccine scenario to that picture only enhances that drive for purpose. I think what's been even more powerful is the way that the organization has worked with you know, our colleagues in the Oxford Jenner Institute in coming together and stepping in to do this at cost as a means and as a way of supporting a global health crisis and a global pandemic. And I think that's created such a level of pride internally in the organization, but it's also created a great attraction factor in terms of people being drawn to AstraZeneca, understanding more about what we do, and then seeing the bigger picture of the other therapeutic areas that we work in. So I think it's been a really powerful experience, but one that I feel personally very, very proud of. So how long have you have you been with the organisation? I've been with AstraZeneca 17 years this year. So it's been a, a, a fantastic and varied career. So I feel very privileged. So like, like a lot of people in the working world, very used to, let's say, the pre-pandemic kind of mode of working. And then all of a sudden we've been thrown into remote working en masse. Um, and if I think about my own organisation learning and development, very much traditionally still delivered in boardrooms, in off-site meetings, but physical um, circumstances. How were you able to use digital to pivot learning and development within your organization when the, when the pandemic hit? So we'd already started to transition away from more traditional delivery of face-to-face. We moved to social blended learning, which in essence means that the majority of the delivery was being done and delivered virtually with a component, maybe 10 to 20% that would be done face-to-face. That's enabled us to grow scale of delivery. So we can run cohorts of maybe 100 people on a program, 100 leaders coming together from all parts of the world. And then we bring them together for maybe a a five-day immersive experience where, you know, that social interaction really matters. And having focused on building that as a methodology across all of our pipeline of, you know, leader, manager, team effectiveness, early talent interventions, the pandemic in many ways was a real proof point for us that could we go 100% virtual? And my team were incredibly agile and responsive to it. And within less than six weeks of the the first lockdown, we transitioned our entire portfolio to fully virtual. And the irony is that we've actually delivered more learning solutions and offerings during the pandemic than any previous year. Our participation rates have gone through the roof. People have seen this as a a moment of opportunity to really say, how can I invest in myself, reskill, new skill, and adapt? So it's been a great trial and an experiment for us. And I'm pleased to say, um, on the whole, it's been really successful. It's, it's interesting listening to you say that, because I suppose the public perception might be that actually all of those things that everyone else has had time for, Right. Especially if you've been furloughed and, and, and a lot of people in the last year were kind of took it upon themselves to do self-learning um, because they had the time to. I suppose in this great kind of endeavor to to create a vaccine 
you know, not just you, but some of your competitors as well at, at record speeds for the sake of everybody, you might not have had the time to focus on career development because you were kind of <laughs> so focused on this task. So it's interesting to hear you say, actually, no, just like every other organization, we've been able to de deliver more than we had, ever had been. And it's, it's also been an opportunity for us to get creative in you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've got huge populations of, of people working in our organization, but the company wanted to try and find ways of helping people be um, productive, but balance the work life that they were now finding themselves in. So kids at home. So the company set up homeschooling. So we recruited more than 80 teachers to work for AstraZeneca, delivering core curriculum in different modes virtually to the children of the AstraZeneca employees, which meant that parents who are now finding themselves at home trying to balance work and life and still continue to drive your delivery for the business, by having virtual classrooms, we were creating an environment where they were getting high quality schooling and educational support while allowing the parents to focus on what they were trying to do to con continue to drive the business for AstraZeneca. And by you know, extending those kind of offerings and getting into bite-sized learning, and, and we've built essentially an, an equivalent of a sort of Spotify of learning environment where you know, it's, it's on demand, it's democratized, it's in 10 languages, it's, it's available anytime you want it. it. It creates a sort of on-demand learning environment, both for the employees, but also as parents, creating a similar environment for their children to be able to continue to support their learning as well. Those innovations sound fantastic. Is there a danger that as kids go back to the classroom and back to formal education, that some of those innovations get lost? I mean, how do you, how do you make sure that you don't lose, lose those ways of working, those new ways of working? You know, is it, is it possible for you to integrate that when that demand, that very specific demand isn't there in quite the same way? Well, I think the key is, is not so much the, the mechanism of delivery may be innovative, but what we're fundamentally trying to build is a culture of lifelong learning. So if we're embedding that culture of making learning a habit that you engage in every day, it's a bit like when people think about how do you build the fitness up? You know, do you spend two and a half hours on a Saturday killing yourself in a gym or do you do 20 minutes a day and you gradually build up a level of new habit, new fitness? Learning for us is exactly the same. So we create an environment where bite-sized learning on a daily basis becomes the norm. And I assume therefore, you know, the children that were involved in the online schooling, we've maintained that habit of learning. So when they've gone back to formal learning, they haven't lost that habit they've been practicing the whole time they've been at home. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I mean, technology plays a huge role now in, in learning and development. There's, there's new tools and there's new technology coming out on the market all the time. What, what tools or, or technologies have you really seen make a positive impact to the way in which you de deliver learning? So we've tried to look at building you know, a, an environment where people can engage in learning in a digital way. Most people you know, are so used to being able to access anything they like through their phone, their laptop, their iPad. So it needs to feel like a consumer-grade experience where you know, it's like you go onto Amazon or Apple or Spotify, whatever it may be. It's incredibly intuitive. You don't need 
a, a tutorial before you go in there. So we've thought about where do we hold you know, a central repository of data that is you know, critical to the company, ways of working, et cetera, that I think is to do with license to operate. So we have a, you know, a learning management system there. We then added a learning experience platform that is designed to be the interface for our employees where they go in and it's the single source of truth for learning. They go in, it's, a, it's something that's very intuitive, it's engaging, and it creates communities of learning. Where we're now heading is using adaptive learning tools. And this is where artificial intelligence and machine learning starts to play into connecting people together that are interested in similar learning topics. It helps profile the individuals versus their role and say, you, you're a master in these skill sets, but you're, you need further development in other areas. And most people learn because they're learning a topic that is of interest and a personal passion for them. They're learning because of a defined need, whether it be job or career or skill gap. But sometimes we need to help people learn what they don't know they don't know. And that's where the AI plays in and says, you know, based on your skills assessment, your capabilities, these are skills that we need you to start thinking about. And it may push content towards those individuals but it's constantly helping us understand what our employees, what our company needs in terms of skills and ongoing capabilities. So the adaptive learning for me is really starting to push into some really interesting spaces beyond the sorts of standard platforms. And that, <clears throat> that adaptive approach, I suppose, is telling you where your, where your gaps are as a business, as an organization, I suppose that using that data and understanding where your employees are will also tell you where perhaps there are some, some challenges or weaknesses, right? Absolutely. You know, if we look at our skills and you know, what's the inventory of skills and capabilities that we have within the organization at any given time, as we are continually looking you know, three to five years out in our strategy and we're planning for where our business is going to evolve, we also need to think about what skills do we need to build, buy, borrow, and also what do we need to automate in terms of augmentation of work, people, and machinery. So with that, it helps us predict where do we have skills that have similarity that we can extend or grow, and how do we push people towards content that grows those skills? So it's like a constant inventory of skills and capabilities, but with a forward view and using machine learning to help nudge and push us towards the areas where we need to build further. Just out of interest then, I mean, over the past year or so, a lot of businesses have pivoted. A lot of businesses have discovered that they are heading in slightly different directions or there's new business units that are now part of that organization that perhaps weren't beforehand. Is the data that you're looking at as a learning and development team telling you that there are particular skills that perhaps you wouldn't have focused on prior to the COVID crisis that now you're thinking, actually, this is an area where we really need to, to pay more attention to and, and might, I suppose, might give you some insight as to where future skills and, and, and the skills that will be important over the next five years might lay or lie rather. I think it's fair to say that, you know, the pandemic has definitely accelerated the digital transformation of any organization. And you know, what may have taken five years to eventually get there has been accelerated in less than 12 months. We were already investing in building 
digital and data analytics capabilities within our organization. We've made learning agility a key mindset and capability that we want people to build. Um, coaching and feed forward is another one that's important because you know, engaging and creating empathy over video is much harder than it is face-to-face. Therefore, refining and building that skill around coaching and also feed forward rather than feedback. It's about building on a position of strength. What, what do you need to continue because you're already doing something well? What do you need to consider in terms of adapting to improve contribution or impact? So there are some key skills that we've doubled down on. And in a virtual environment, these are in even more important than they were previously. But I, I've not seen any significant seismic shifts outside of the digital uh, learning and uh, coaching capability. So look, just as a last question then, obviously the the situation that we have found ourselves in over the last year has, has obviously forced your team to do things in slightly new um, and innovative ways, as we've already discussed. What's the next six months hold? What, what happens as we begin to come into this hybrid world of work and people do return to offices and things start to open up? What's the agenda for you and your team? So the agenda for me and my team is really about helping people connect, helping people that would have been used to traveling to meet each other. We're a global organization and traveling globally was part of the role for so many of my team and so many of my colleagues. Now we need to ensure that people are connecting virtually, but we're creating ways of collaborating, driving creativity and innovation through technology in a different way. And it's going beyond using just Teams or Zoom as a way of connecting. It's how do you use other tools and also behavioral techniques to drive team effectiveness, creativity, curiosity, and innovation. They're the things that we're really focusing on. Do you think that we're going to end up with these pockets where global organizations, people do get together locally, but that that global travel doesn't really happen so much. But I suppose if they've got that that local contact, perhaps that just gives you enough of, of that of that contact that we need as humans to be able to make the whole thing work. I think there will still be an element of, of travel. I, yeah. I would be shocked to see it go away completely. I think there are some things that you still need to be on the ground in order to engage with people, to get a real feeling of a culture, uh, of an organization. But it's how do you maximize those opportunities And how do you also raise the effectiveness of the virtual environment so they become more balanced? I think that's the sweet spot of hybrid working that we're looking for. And when teams come together, they're coming together with a purpose of driving collaboration, creativity and innovation. It's not just about co-location for co-location's sake. Well, look, Mark, it's been fascinating to talk to you. It's, it's an area that a lot of organizations are obviously grappling with at the moment. And yours is one that is very much in the spotlight. So it's, it's been fascinating to hear your insight. And thanks for your time. Thank you very much, David. Pleasure. I quite like the way that he talks about a Spotify learning platform and it being learning on demand. And then that analogy that he makes with learning and fitness, 20 minutes a day to build you up. You know, do you go to the gym and kill yourself once a week for two hours or do you do a bit every day and sustainably build some health and fitness? Well, maybe some people go to the gym and kill themselves for two hours at the weekend, but it isn't going to do you any good. Um, It's all about, you know, small amounts pretty consistently over a long period of time. And that makes a difference. And actually... 
if I think about learning in companies that I know of or have experienced, it does tend to be you don't do much. And then all of a sudden it's like a two hour session where everyone, everyone gets like delivered training. And that yeah. actually doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And also training just seems so sporadic in the sense that, you know, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Like it sometimes gets forced down you because it's a mandatory thing that everyone needs to get ticked off and, you know, you've got a certain amount of time. And normally, well, me anyway, I, I leave everything to the last minute and try to cram it in on the last day when, you know, someone needed to complete it. Um, but I do agree with him in terms of the online learning side. If there was like an on-demand sort of service and you could kind of pick and choose modules or, or bits that you need to do, I think they'll be very, very good. Um, and also if they were in some form of a, an interactive thing, which I know he kind of alludes to, then you could listen to it on the go and have it on. And do, do you know what I mean? Rather than actually mm. sitting there, you know, kind of old school in front of the PowerPoint and slideshow decks and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. I think it's that thing that, you know, online learning and kind of learning platforms that you can access have, have been stuff that lots of companies have kind of been like, right, let's deliver our, our training in that kind of style. But it doesn't it doesn't feel bite sized still. It doesn't feel like it's like it's a Spotify Spotify platform rather that you can jump into. Mm. It's still feels quite traditional when you go on some of those platforms mm. um and it just sounds like they've really thought it through and it's kind of training that fits around people's lives and then that added element of kind of you know the adaptive learning tools connecting people with similar learning topic interests it's mm. just it just sounds like you know okay it's taking all those elements of stuff that we think should make training fit for purpose and actually engineering it in such a way that, that it, it's engaging and actually delivers yeah and, and also if i'm honest it's just making training cool again whereas you know training in in various industries or in a lot of industries is just seen as a bit of a oh god you know got training you know or got i've got to do this to, i've been yeah, told i've got to do yeah, this yeah yeah it's it's i have to attend this training session or i have to go away and do this training it's not it's yeah. not something where you you actually feel up for it you go actually i am going to you know, um, yeah. and I'm, I'm just, I was looking at our internal um, kind of training platform, um, who shall not be named. And uh, I've been yeah. trying to avoid, I've been trying to avoid talking about us. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, here we go. I've opened it now. Um, but yeah, it, again, it does just feel old school. It's like this portal and you have to go in. I mean, uh, I didn't even know what my credentials were to log in. And then, uh, yeah. you, you know, it's just one of those things where, I, it just doesn't warrant me, you know, kind of spending any time on it. Um, and, and But a lot of jobs are different and sometimes you need to do the training. And I, I mean, I'm thinking out of the box that, you know, AstraZeneca working in a regulated industry, there's probably a lot of regulations or things they need to be up to speed with. There's, mm. you know, coronavirus, which, you know, has heavily impacted them um, as a supplier. There's a lot of things, um, I'm guessing from a clinic and from a lab perspective, so, you know, their stuff needs to be up to date. You know, I, I guess it needs to be very, very transactional in the sense that just ready to go yeah. in modules and things like that. So for, for an organization like them to have a platform where they're able to just access it and pick it up, go, I, th I think is, is, is great. And especially with devices at the moment. Yeah. You make a really good point, though, as well, around um, 
you know, training is cool. Because mm. it is right now. Like, you know, Mark, Mark makes the point during during his, his, his interview where he says that there's the moment of opportunity to invest in yourself and adapt. Mm. And that's entirely true. Like we've all had a lot of time and maybe we didn't sit down and, and do a new hobby. Maybe we didn't learn how to, I don't know, sew mm. or whatever. Mm. But there has been that opportunity for people to think, where's my career going? Mm. Yeah. You know, we've, we've all had a lot of time isolated on our own working, working at home, really trying to, you know, really focusing your mind on what is it that I enjoy about work? Cause I think, I think where some people have had jobs and it is the office and the social environment that made it, made it fun and that's not there, then it's, well, what, you know, I've, I've got to get, I've got to get enjoyment out of what I'm doing actually as a job day to day. Sometimes I think the office and the environment made up for, maybe a lack of job satisfaction because you had that social stance to it. But then, like you said, when everyone's by themselves in their own house and you're actually doing just your job from a day to day, um, you then begin to realize, is this what I really want? Is this what I want to do? And, and, and the industry has seen a lot of career shifters, a lot of career changes. I think the furlough scheme, when that came in, it really allowed people to kind of hone in and think, is this what I want to do long term? Can there be other things? And online learning, as you said, everything in the space of weeks went online, right? So even your traditional institutions, you know, your red brick universities, your, you know, kind of diploma giving colleges and these sorts of things, they all went online. And suddenly the online learning thing. So people at Open University probably sat there laughing, going, you know, we were already on this years ago, right? When you never used to have a look in at Open University because you thought, oh, well, you know, you've not gone to Oxford or you've not gone to Cambridge. They've gone, we already tackled this. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, people actually spending time within their own development, it is now off their own back and it is something that they, you know, are showing initiative in. So I think, I think it's good. I think it's very, very good. Um, and there's a lot more things I think that, that people can learn and pick up and it just shows a bit of intuition, I guess, um, mm. rather, rather than trying to master the perfect, you know, blimmin' banana loaf or, or TikTok blimmin' wraps and things like that that everyone was doing in lockdown. You know, spend a bit of time on yourself and in your own kind of education. Um, yeah, it does wonders, I think. Yeah, yeah. I suppose the one the one interesting uh, kind of crunch point could be that that Mark talks about, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And an organization might go, we need to develop these skills. We need to nudge people in this direction. And AI might point, point you down one path and you might turn around and go, don't want to do that. Mm, yeah, yeah, very true. And it's, it's going to be this thing where kind of data plots the trajectory from a people point of view of an organization. And it may determine that that's the way that you're supposed to go. And you might not, you might not think you fit into that. It might, mm. it might bring to a head kind of thoughts about people's long-term career and what they want mm. quicker because it's, 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 it's going to feel less organic. It's almost going to feel more plotted out. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think, um, but again, we've, we've gone through this argument, right? I, I still think that there's a place for kind of the technology side um, to potentially have some sort of human management in there as well so if technology is leading organizations a certain way people like you know mark or, or you know i'm sure that there's probably a role that can be made can say actually this is what a you know an employee resource network or group or 
you know, what our kind of people side, this is what we need to be going down and maybe help maneuver technology. I don't know if that's the right phrase, mm. but, um, but yeah, you know, they, they still need that kind of person who has been in an environment and has a role and knows where organization successes can be made. Um, because not everything can be predicted by a machine or a computer and data and, you know, those sorts of bits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think we should leave this conversation here. We'll take a quick advert break. We've been talking a little bit about AI there in terms of learning. We're going to talk a little bit in some technology news about AI in music in a moment. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. So it should be Glastonbury at the minute. Or it should have been Glastonbury this weekend, I think. This weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good thing it wasn't because the weather's been atrocious. There would have been a lot of muddy people. Very true, very true. But at least it would have gone ahead either way. Yeah, yeah unlike, true. Un- unlike Wimbledon today, because that's when we started today. Oh, of course, yeah, rain. Yes, yeah. good point. Mm. And thought about that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, well, anyway, I, I spent the weekend watching a few of like, the 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 I players got like greatest performances from Glastonbury for some reason. <laughs> this is quite sad. Saturday night, I watched the entire Kylie set from twenty nineteen. <laughs> so I let's could, just I put could, something happy on. Ones. I could think of better ones. So can I. Coldplay. Mate, that's that's not on there, mate. That's not it, on there. Uh, well, it's on YouTube, but that's my go-to probably. Coldplay. Uh, I don't, I don't so know what year it was. I watched, watched a bit of Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, a yeah. bit of Blur, going right mm. back and Pulp. Didn't have any Oasis on there. They had they had Noel Gallagher, but not Oasis. I'll, I'll um, tell you yeah. what else. Yeah. Jay-Z. Jay-Z at Glaster. They didn't have Jay-Z set. Really? Mate, they had Dizzy Rascal, but not Jay-Z. Oh. Hmm. Might be something to do with the Americans. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it was late night. It was like, Kylie? Yeah, why not? It's happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But my point being, right, Kylie writes a good pop song. You can't mm-hmm. deny that. She's the first solo female in British chart history to have a number one dec- number one album in five separate decades. Yeah, to be fair. That's pretty good going, regardless mm. of what you may or may not think. Mm. But now, uh, AI is coming along, and there are some startups out there who think that AI can pick a hit. Can it? Mm, well, that's what they think. Right. What does it so, do? Just download it a million times or something? Or? So faced with some new music, major labels are using algorithms to hunt down tomorrow's hits. Is it great news for rising stars or a recipe for a bland new future? So, you know, it trawls through tracks that are kind of played less than a, thousand, than a million times, rather. Mm-hmm. And it's replacing the job of A&R professionals who used to find new singers, musicians, and MCs by going to concerts, by trawling through tracks that have been uploaded. Because if you think about the way that kind of 
um, Adele was discovered. Um, uh, Arctic Monkeys, in fact, for that, that point, MySpace. Oh. Oh. Um, you know, uh, I think Justin Bieber, this article says, was plucked from obscurity from a YouTube video. Billie yeah. Eilish was 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 plucked from SoundCloud. Oh. So there's lots of there's lots of um, instances where people have been plucked from obscurity. But is there a bit of a difference between? And I look, I'm I big fan of technology. Big fan of technology where it really adds something valuable. Yeah. Does this add value, or does this just make it more cost effective? Because actually isn't isn't half of the thing about music about the emotional connection what just not what just a, an ar algorithm thinks ai or sorry or other al- algorithm thinks is very true is a hit based on statistically if it's this quick or in this pitch or whatever yeah. it's going to be successful that does it's, sound like it could be a recipe for a bland future does that also make simon cowell redundant then because, or it's uh, it's just like the robot version of Simon Cowell because all he does is try to find he just tries to go well that's successful let's try and find a carbon copy yeah so I mean and then what happens to all these shows where you know you can win it based on audiences and these sorts of things and you could potentially be the next big thing I don't, I don't know man I think I think it takes the emotional side out of things also a lot of the times when it's like an upcoming you know chart topper let's say that there is a good story that people can relate to and you know it's about kind of oh this guy or girl was in my area and you know similar upbringing you know kind of background that sort of thing um and if you like their music or that genre of music then then normally you you know they, they end up doing pretty well um but there, there might be a space for it because i'm sure there's a there's a load of people that you know I, I know some musicians and they're constantly constantly churning churning music and putting them on these various kind of streams and things like that and according to them it only takes you know someone to listen to you for a couple of minutes and then you might be you know on your way to uh mm. on your way to uh, the brits or you know the grammys or whatever but i, th- I think there's probably there there is definitely a space for that you know why not um but I don't think it should be solely relied on. Yeah, no. And I mean, this article kind of asks, you know, whether AI could have spotted the sea shanty craze. I didn't realise that there was a, a craze around sea shanties. Um, but what about, what about Susan effect- Boyle? Do you reckon this AI would have picked her up? I don't think AI would have picked up Subo. Well, there we go. Do you know what I mean? And she, she's done all right, isn't she? Think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... I, I, I I think there's a space, but also with these kind of big artists in the world, there's also a lot of marketing, a lot of things, you know, images. Does that AI only pick up the pitch, the the voice, the production? Does it also pick up, you know, the, the, the image or the fashion or, you know, all these other things that make up artists, right? Um, I don't know if it would. Um, yeah. So yeah, but let, let's see. I'm I'm all up for it. Yeah, you never know. Until you find that your Spotify is incredibly boring and all sounds exactly the same. Don't don't you have a song out as well? Do you reckon it will pick that up? You 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 Do released I? you released a song, didn't you? Or was it? Did was I release it, a song? Was it the charity one? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're stretch you're stretching reality here. What, what was that? Three, three years ago, yeah, uh, yeah. the the Tech Talks team at the time recorded "World in Motion" for the Russian World Cup, yes. but re-recorded it. We recorded Re- it. We fully re-recorded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. World it's, in Motion. 
imagine, mate, imagine. You, you, you could be onto a gig here. Yeah, Josie, <laughs> Josie Rowling's once of this parish doing the John Barnes rap. And uh, Jack, was Jack in it? Jack, please? Yeah, Jack, yeah, Jack was, like... basically, um, was basically uh, Alfie, what's his face? Um, uh, Alfie Allen jumping around in the background. Oh mate, that's hilarious. We should we should give that a reshare. I reckon we should try try. Mate, it's, it's on YouTube. It is on YouTube. That's what I'm saying. You oh, might get on... you might get recognised with this AI. You never know. <laughs> I was quite a bit. I was a bit larger then as well. That's before you discovered you were a uh, semi-pro runner. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> anyway, I think I think on that note, maybe maybe we should put a link in the show notes. Now, maybe I'll put a link in the show notes. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And when you share it on LinkedIn, I will be commenting with that on as well. I'm not going to be sharing it on LinkedIn. <laughs> I will, well, I will be. <laughs> I'll be putting that link on. Oh right. Oh AI, there you go. Me me singing "World in Motion" and trying to trying to shoehorn some terrible Russian in there. Yeah, I don't think that's going to get picked. Right, <laughs> Keish, thanks for your help. Uh, no have problems. a lovely week, everyone. We'll be back on Friday. See ya. 